Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Well, it continues to be a sad year for some of our Astros favorites. We've lost Jimmy Wynn, Bob Watson, and Joe Morgan. This week, we added former Astro player and coach Dennis Menke to the list, who passed away at age 80 years old. Menke, who was primarily a middle infielder, had two stints with the Astros as a player. The first one from 68 to 71. When he made two all-star teams, he was part of the Joe Morgan trade in 1971. And then the Iowa Farm Board briefly came back in 74 before retiring. In today's show, I've got a special guest on the line who got to know Menke when he returned to the Astros in the mid-80s to be their hitting coach. Many of you will remember former Houston radio personality Jerry Truppiano from his many years at KTRH in the 70s and 80s. He also called the Rockets, Oilers, Astros, World Hockey Association, Houston Arrows, and Southwest Conference games over the years. Great to have you back with us, Jerry. Can you tell us how you got to know Dennis Menke? When I was with the uh, Astros, Dennis was the uh, hitting coach. And he had, to me, he had the perfect temperament to be a hitting coach. He was uh, sort of a quiet guy, a listener, and could get his point across without being overbearing. I just thought the world of the guy. I'm sorry we missed, you know, when, when the years passed, you sort of lose touch with people and he was a guy that uh, I enjoyed being around. I'm, I'm sorry for his loss and for his for his family. You kind of got to go to mass with him, right? And the, with a few of the other uh, the Astro people when you were calling the games for the Astros, right? Yeah, we, we had a group that would uh, go go to mass. Uh, the first year was, was Matt Galanti and Dennis and myself, and then uh, the next year, but my my two years at the Astros, the next year they brought in uh, Yogi Berra. As a, as a bench coach, Yogi would join us on, on Sunday mornings. It was funny. A couple of times, Yogi had a habit of falling asleep <laughs> during, <laughs> during the service. And I, I can remember a couple of times when Matt Galante gave him an elbow to, to wake him up. And, and one time in L.A., believe it or not, we were joined by Tommy Lasorda. So that was quite a group I was able to hang with for a short time. Yeah, what a group that was. The the young hitters on those mid-80s Astros teams, Bill Doran, Dickie Thon, Glenn Davis, Kevin Bass. Any idea, you know, how much of a role Menke played with some of those guys? I, I can't I can't put an exact measurement on it, if you will. But as a hitting coach, I, I think one of the things that, that the successful ones can do is not bring their personality into it in that they want to change somebody and, and feel like it's, Everybody should be doing the same thing, but analyze what a hitter can do and has been successful doing to get him to the big leagues and, and just have the knowledge, have the perception where you can you can pick out little things when things go astray to get them back into sync. So uh, the last bit of baseball I did was the World Baseball Classic in 2017, and I worked with uh, Marlon Anderson, a former major league infielder, and we, we talked uh, quite a bit about hitting. And he brought up uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., who uh, has been playing for the Red Sox, is now a free agent. One of the best defensive center fielders you could ever see, but has had some trouble at the plate. Uh, and and Mylan, who, who knows Bradley Jr. pretty well, said that he feels that they were, they were changing the type of hitter that he is. And they tried to make him into something else. But that was, that was something Dennis Mickey didn't do. He could pick out strengths of hitters, things that make hitters confident, and just fine-tune those to the point where they, he can get them back into sync. Yeah, I'm going to get to a guy later on that 
Mankey influence that's a, a Hall of Famer, but let me go back to Mankey the player because I think a lot of Astros fans remember him as the coach. The player goes back for a lot of people a long ways, and when he signed to play pro baseball, the Milwaukee Braves paid him $125,000 signing bonus, which was a huge number back then. He started off as a shortstop and had his first big league home run. Uh, it was a grand slam. Uh, along with Ernie Banks, he was one of just five shortstops to hit 20 home runs in a season between 61 and 91. So a power-hitting shortstop back in those days was even more unusual than it is today. And, you know, Jerry Menke has a bat in Cooperstown. I love how it got there. Tony Cloninger used Dennis's bat to hit two grand slams in a game. So his bat's in Cooperstown. Tony Cloninger's an old friend uh, who uh, was a pitching coach with the uh, Red Sox for a while when I was with the Red Sox. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know he used uh, Dennis' bat uh, when he hit those uh, t- two grand slams. So uh, a couple of good guys there you just mentioned. Yeah, $125,000 signing bonus. By the way, it doesn't sound like a big deal now, but it was a big deal back then, like I said. And and uh, over the course of his Astros career, Menke played six different positions at one point after he was traded to the Astros. Joe Morgan got hurt. Menke replaced him at second base. And Jerry, he played so well. They considered moving Joe Morgan to the outfield. Can you imagine if Joe Morgan ended up in the outfield after the first couple of years? I think Dennis is the only player in Major League history to have played 162 games at all four infield positions. He was so versatile. By the way, when you mentioned his signing bonus of 125000 another Milwaukee uh, uh, signee, Bob Uecker, said his signing bonus was, was $8,000, but that's all his dad could afford to pay the Braves. <laughs> yeah, that's, that sounds like you. I've been watching old Mr. Belvedere reruns recently, so... Uh, it's funny you mentioned you. <laughs> uh, we just lost uh, Joe Morgan in the last few months. Did the Joe Morgan trade with the Reds, which included Mankey, seem as lopsided as it does now, Jerry? I was living in St. Louis at that time. And, it, and it, uh, from what I remember from you could gather as an outsider, I think it was a fairly controversial trade. You know, when you, when you trade away a, a guy that winds up in the Hall of Fame, uh, it always it always seems to be uh, very controversial. And, and isn't it something in 2020, you mentioned the people we lost who have a background with, with the Astros. But I mean, Lou Brock, uh, Bob Gibson, Tom Seaver, Al Kaline, Dick Allen, uh, Richie Allen, who should be in the Hall of Fame just the other day, passed away. It's uh, it's been a tough year in baseball circles. Yeah, Whitey Ford, add him to, the, to that list. And... Whitey Ford, you're right, you're right. Um, did you get to know Joe Morgan at all? I know you and him were only in Houston for his second stint in 1980, if I remember right. No, the, the only time I ever talked to Joe Morgan, going back to 2003, I, I was a broadcaster for the Red Sox. Game seven of the American League Championship Series. Grady Little, the manager of the Red Sox. Uh, Pedro Martinez coming off the mound in the seventh inning with a, a 5-2 lead. Pedro, uh, Hall of Famer. The strength of the 2003 Red Sox in the postseason was their bullpen. So he figured he was done. He would pound his heart, point to the sky to salute his deceased father. Goes into the dugout, and Grady Little goes to him. And and managers and coaches get the big bucks for making the tough decisions. And you never ask a competitor to compete. He asked Pedro if he could go out there one more inning, and Pedro said, sure. But records show that after so many innings or so many pitches, Pedro's effectiveness 
would decrease. And again, the strength of the team that year in the postseason was the bullpen with Alan Embry and Mike Timlin and others. So Pedro goes back out there, gives up three runs, it's 5-5. And Joe, who was in the booth next to us, leans around the glass and tells me the worst managerial decision I've ever seen in my life. And I had said, it made Grady a little mad because I, I was on a documentary for ESPN talking about it a year or so later. I never second-guessed on the air, but you have to bring up, if you're going to be true to your to your listeners, I brought up, I said, you know, this this is either going to be a great, and I mean, it's, it's Captain Obvious, it's going to be a great move, or it really has the potential to uh, backfire. Again, my like, conversation was Joe Morgan leaning around the glass saying, worst decision I've ever seen by a manager. Yeah, Joe never got, in my opinion, the respect that he deserved as an analyst. He was really good on ESPN. And I, I got a couple more notes on Mankey I want to get back to. You know, he played in the 72 World Series with the A's and the Reds. He had a home run off Catfish Hunter to help win game five. Had 29 chances at third base without an error in that series. I know of, as of eight years ago, that was still a record of chances without an error by a third baseman in the World Series. A's manager Dick Williams, Jerry, he said that at the time, he said, quote, I didn't know Sparky Anderson imported Brooks Robinson for the series. That's high praise. That's pretty high praise indeed. Pretty high praise. After Mankey requested a trade back to Houston in, in 1974, he retired as an Astro July 10th, 1974. I love that date because it's actually my third birthday. And that brings me to something you and Menke have in common, Jerry. He finished the season, and, and I, I've never heard this. He finished the season doing radio and television for the Astros that year in 74. I did not know that. Uh, and he, he would have been pretty good at it. He was, he was well-spoken, sort of a quiet guy, but, you know, knew the game. So I, I could see him being a success. And, but then, then he wound up, uh, he went to some other clubs, uh, Toronto and, and, and the Phillies as, as a hitting coach and a bench coach, uh, I think in Toronto. He was a baseball lifer. And those are the kind of guys you really enjoy being around. And I got to be honest, in today's baseball, those are the kind of guys that are being pushed to the side. And it's, it's sad to see. It really is. Yeah, I'm going to go over some of the teams that he coached with because it, it was it was a few of them. But, you know, he coached Paul Molitor in the minors. Molitor says Mankey made him better at the plate. He said, quote, Dennis made me more of a stand-up hitter, less power, but with more consistent contact after he had me close my stance more. And everybody remembers that Molly stance that was closed. That was Dennis Mankey, Jerry. Paul Molitor, I believe, is still the only man ever to have a five-hit game in the World Series. He did that for the Milwaukee Brewers in 1982 against the Cardinals. A Hall of Fame player and uh, a guy you hated to see come up with, with people on base. And even though he didn't have a whole lot of power, he could find the gaps and he could put the ball in play, something that's sadly lacking in the game today. Uh, so if he credits Dennis Menke, that's... That's high praise right there because Molitor is now in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, there was a quote that I ran across also, Mickey Mantle saying the rest of the Astros could learn how to hit the opposite field from Dennis Menke. And and this is the quote that it really blew me away. As a player, he was once described in a 1963 Sporting News article as, quote, the greatest prospect to come out of the Iowa cornfields since Bob Feller. 
So that's that's <laughs> that's, wow. that's how well they thought of Mankey coming up, and and you know. Maybe he didn't live up to those expectations, but he finishes with 101 home runs, a couple of all-star appearances. He gets a top 15 finish for MVP one year. And then, as you said, Jerry, 21 years in Major League Baseball coaching with the Blue Jays, Phillies, Reds, and, of course, the Astros. He 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 passed away at 80. He's pretty much done it at the age of 60. You know, you, you would think, I would have thought anyway, Jerry, he would have lasted longer than that because uh, well, he was pretty well-respected as a hitting coach. Yeah, very well-respected. He prob- probably walked away at the age of 60 and spent a lot of time on the golf course and, and was well-deserved after putting in all those years in baseball. Again, the, the baseball life is if, you, if you're around the game and if you're around guys like Jimmy Reese with the Angels and, and uh, Johnny Pesky with the Red Sox, Wayne Twilliger, with Minnesota, you get, you get to know some of those baseball lifers. It's just uh, like a font of information and the history of the game and hear people tell stories about playing against some of the greats. It was one of the thrills of my life to spend so much time in the in, in Major League Baseball getting to know those guys and, and, and sitting around and listening to scouts talk about the game. Man, oh man, what an education. Yeah, great that you got to know Dennis Menke and just a, a sad loss. And, you know, have you noticed how many legendary coaches we lost this year? This, this week we lose Fred Akers. Yeah. That's a, another big one. And Jerry, let me run through the list in 2020, Don Shula, Billy Tubbs, John Thompson, Lute Olson, Lou Henson, John McNamara, Pat Dye, Eddie Sutton, Jerry Sloan, Jim Fry. And, of course, the local legend here, Bill Yeoman. That's an incredible list. This year can't get over soon enough. I mean, this has been a uh, – well, of course, with the pandemic and everything. But losing so many uh, greats from the sports world, it's it's it's, it's unbelievable. It's, and, and, and losing – I mentioned Bob Gibson and, and Lou Brock. I grew up in St. Louis. And, and those those were the guys you saw growing up and, and watching. And you tried to emulate them when you went out to play wiffle ball and – We've lost so many great ones. And you wonder how the game is going to survive without the guy. Again, I refer to them as baseball lifers. You know, the computer crowd in this day and age, uh, thinking they can they can run a game via the computer. It's not the same game, unfortunately. Yeah, let me ask you, because you grew up in St. Louis. You, you were with KMOX back then. Did you get to know those guys? Did you get to know Lou Brock and Bob Gibson? Not, not well, I, because I, I, when I was at KMOX, I was I was a producer behind the scenes. As a matter of fact, the first major league player I ever talked to was Bob Gibson. Well, I take that back. It was Joe Torrey, because Harry Carey asked me to go down and get a get a guest for the for the post game show, and it was Joe Torrey. And after I got Torrey to the interview room, I tried to find my way out of the bowels of uh, of Bush Stadium, and I got lost. And who do I run into? Bob Gibson, and he always heard that Gibson was this. This uh, gruff, uh, tough guy on the mound, which he was, but you know, I, I asked him, and and he helped me, you know, get out of the get out of the ballpark. And then years later, when I got to the Astros, uh, and then to the Montreal Expos uh, in the National League, I had the chance to to visit with Gibson and Brock and interview them, and guys like Red Shandies and and Ozzy Smith and Terry Pendleton, and had Willie McGee with uh, with the Red Sox. He came over to the American League. So I got to know uh, know those guys professionally. Not didn't know them well, but knew them professionally. Where you could you could sit around and, and talk baseball with them. 
Yeah, what a list. Uh, you just mentioned there, McGee, super underrated. I love watching Willie McGee play. Uh, you look back at his stats, and, and they were they were darn good. And before we go, I I, I got to ask you because you mentioned Jackie Bradley earlier, and you you know you live you still live up in the Boston area. I, I know you still follow the Red Sox, uh, the Astros. You know that's a name that's been connected with them. I don't know what the latest scuttlebutt is with Jackie Bradley, but if Springer goes, which it looks like it's just about a done deal, they need a center fielder. What what do you think of Bradley, and what are you hearing up there? He, he is one of the best defensive center fielders I've ever seen. Uh, I'm not sure of, of the bat. I'm not sure about the consistency. Maybe maybe he needs a change of, of scenery to find some consistency at the plate. But they've gone through a number of hitting coaches here. I, I think it's the case of being the opposite of a Dennis Mankey. I think it's the case of people trying to tinker with him too much and, and change his style. If you've had success, even at the collegiate level, and you bring that to the big leagues, if somebody's had, had success with it, why mess with it? See if it works. Let them work through it. But uh, sometimes the egos of, of coaches get in the way where they, they, they feel they have to prove their worth by changing people. But uh, I, I tell you what, there's no question about the glove of Jackie Bradley. He is, he is gold glove caliber. And he's the kind of guy you think Houston would take right in, a good guy liked in the community? Oh, yeah, very much so. Very much so. A, a class act, yeah. Well, uh, it's great to catch up with you. Uh, unfortunately, it was about the passing of Dennis Mankey and, and some of these other greats that we've seen over the last year. But uh, sure fun to catch up with you. And hopefully 2021 is going to be a little bit better than this. <laughs> if it's worse than this, folks, I'm getting into a bunker and not coming out. <laughs> Well, thanks for doing this. Just a reminder to everybody that's listening, uh, if you're a regular, not a regular, we need your feedback, suggestions, questions, topics. Just message us through Twitter, Facebook, email info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. We'll have the Texans post game on Sunday as usual with my co-host Stephen Kerr. But before we end this thing, let's hear from Dennis Menke, a piece of an interview from a few years ago. Once I got into the, the pros and... I mean, I was anxious to play. I mean, I really, I was, let's face it, I was 17 years old, out of high school, went down to Midland, Texas my first year, ran across my old roommate, Tony Kloninger, and we were both 17, so we really kind of grew up together. We roomed together for a lot of years and came up to the big leagues about the same time, which was really strange. You know, here's a boy from North Carolina. He was a cotton boy, and here I'm from Iowa, corn boy. So <laughs> dinner was kind of opposite of what it should be. Well, you made your mark, obviously, in, in the minor leagues, and the Braves brought you up for opening day in 1962 on the road, I believe. What was that like? you think back to getting to the bigs with the Braves? Like I said, all the big stars that they had, and, you know, to be able to be a teammate of Aaron and Matthews and Spahn, it's something that when you've been in the organization, you get to know about these guys. I mean, you read about them, and, and all of a sudden you're on the same field with them, and I'm saying, Wow. This is really something. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.